Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. This is the most difficult installment I've ever had to write. I thought it would be about trans people and AI, and it is, but I was surprised to discover it's so much more. This is The Past 3, aka The New Past 2, aka Trans Greek. Hi, I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the lady who's been part of my life longer than not, Susan Bridges. Hello. Our guest this week is Miriam Roburn, a housewife who writes books and games and things. She prefers very short bios to minimize the anguish of writing and listening to them. Welcome, Miriam. Hi, happy Tuesday. Yay. Okay, so we're internet friends, and we've even met up in real space. I had lunch, and it was lovely. It's true. And I, I had no idea until reading your bio that you write books and games and things. What books, what games, what things? I Tell us all about it. Mostly I've been, I've written a lot of games. I write a lot of uh, role-playing games. Yes, us too. Yeah, my biggest title is Smallville, so I have technically written official Superman. That's uh, wow. Um, I know, but these <laughs> days I'm mostly doing Cortex stuff. Well, it's not really a newish, but it is uh, the, it's a really nice system and it's uh, the most compassionate role-playing game I've ever played. So I have wow. a, a soft spot in my heart for it. I find we kind of get the same vibe from Star Trek Adventures, which we play and we have now actually written for many things officially have been written, we wrote for that. But um, it's it's very much about not just cooperating with each other, but you know, like if you've seen Star Trek, it's about helping people and being kind to people. And so I always get this like really good, warm yeah. feeling after we play because you're like doing nice things. You're not just killing monsters, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I, not to, this isn't about Cortex, but it <laughs> focuses about solving problems rather than, yeah. you know, killing bad guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fun. That sounds really great. Yeah. Okay. So for you, what has been the best thing about transitioning? Oh, so, well, first of all, has anyone ever answered boobs? I'm just curious. No, you would be the first. Okay. But you know what? Okay. I, would, I think well, that's, I would, that's, that's definitely that's number, up there. Yeah, that's number two for me. The number one is is the sense of clarity that I've gotten. I, I mean, even before hormones gave me more clarity, but then just socially transitioning, I spent the first month texting my wife saying, it's so quiet inside my head now. Oh my God, right? It's, yeah, the the warning klaxons that I've been ignoring for my entire life, they stopped. I didn't realize they were blaring at me this whole time and now they're gone. Yeah. So yeah, that's my favorite part. And I, I never really even expected it, but. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's really similar to that Trans Tuesday that I did on what is happening a whole new world when I was the first time I went to an event with a group of people I'd never met before as the real me. 
and I was able to just talk to them and interact with them and I didn't want to run away screaming and I wasn't terrified and or it's it's like my other one too the lunch with Tilly where now I I I was always very restrictive in the foods that I ate I felt like I couldn't handle experiencing new foods but once my dysphoria dissipated yeah. even a little bit I wanted to try these new things I had the mental capacity and energy to experience them that I never had before you know so I think I think that's all kind yeah. of similar yeah it's really amazing yeah, you just have so much more bandwidth. It's yes, yeah, life changing. <laughs> it really is. And then sometimes you start a podcast. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you do. Okay, so on the other side of that, what's been the worst or one of the most difficult parts of transition for you? Well, so for me, it's easy. It's voice. Voice training yeah. has been, oh God, the worst part. It's the hardest thing I've ever Absolutely. done in my life. Yeah. It is, and it's it's grueling, and it's dis disorienting and discouraging, and it just keeps going on and on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I I like I like to say that every every trans girl gets one easy thing and one hard thing, and my hard thing is voice. Absolutely, voice is super hard. I mean, okay. So for the folks listening, this is the yeah. magic of podcasting because we are recording this this episode and the one following before. My three episodes on voice have been released, so Miriam hasn't heard them yet, but I just did three episodes all about that. So those are what's just directly preceded this episode. So if if you also would like more information on changing your voice and you know gender-affirming voice training, check those three episodes out because there's a lot of really good info in there. Including how long it takes. It, it takes forever. Forever. Okay. That's the end. Forever, 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 forever. Yes, it's our forever homework. Okay. Like being a writer is also forever homework. Oh, great. We've got, I've got two forever homeworks. <laughs> Super. Why do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into this topic because it's really big and complicated. And in fact, when I sat down to write it, it went really long and it's so long it's going to be split into two parts. This week, we're going to discuss the topic as a whole. And next week, we'll get deeper into a specific experience that maybe changed my life. Trans grief has been on my list to talk about for years, and I put it off. I knew I had to write it now, and I still put it off as long as I could. I knew, I knew what it was going to do to me if I looked into that dark pit, yet here we are. If I am able to face it, to put to words something so many of us struggle with, and there's a chance it could help even one other person out there, then damn it, I'm going to forge ahead. Perhaps my pain can be your gain in understanding, in compassion, in empathy. Talking about AI and the present climate is also fraught, so I'm going to please ask you to listen to these episodes, both this one and next week's conclusion, with an open mind before you yell at me. So let's get it out of the way right off the bat. I am fully, wholly, 100% against the use of AI that takes people's jobs or plagiarizes their work. That's one of the very things the WGA and SAG-AFTRA were on strike over and which TAG may strike over next year. If you want a little more about my own experiences out on the picket lines, see the Trans Tuesday on Proactive Allyship, a.k.a. Be an Accomplice, episode 35 of this show. But not all AI use is bad. It can be used in great ways, like to help doctors spot tumors and saves lives. There's a link to an article about that in the show notes. The problem becomes when it's used to replace people, as studios want to do for writers and actors, or when an image-generating AI is trained on an artist's work without permission to use the source material. Or when and how all image-generating AI is trained, by the way. Or when text-generating AI is trained on author's work without consent. 
But for years, there has been a prevalence of FaceApp among trans people long before any of these concerns about AI were known. If you're not familiar, you upload a photo to it and it will use AI to make you younger or older or hotter, problematic, or a different gender. It's dicey even in its gender swapping capabilities because it relies on gendered stereotypes to generate these images. And yet, trans people often use it out of curiosity or to help us see what might be or to help their photos look more affirming to them. And here's where I'm going to reveal that yes, I too used it before I began my medical transition. I've mentioned many times how I knew I was trans in 2015 but couldn't do anything about it until 2020. See my three-year retrospective for more info. That was episode 29 of this show. As far back as 2017, I was using FaceApp to see what might be possible. And it was both good and bad, because it gave me hope, but it also gave me, and a lot of trans people, possibly unrealistic expectations. At first, its swaps were more subtle, and thus possibly also more realistic. The first one I ever did was part of a collage with old me and young me, because then I had plausible deniability. You see, I wasn't just doing it to swap my gender. It's just fun. Sure. Sure. We believe you. Yeah. I don't have it anymore because I deleted it. But the oldest one I kept is from 2017. And you can see it and all photos discussed in this episode in the social media and Google Doc versions of this week's topic at TillysTransTuesdays.com. So you're saying you don't have FaceApp anymore, but you saved some of the images right. FaceApp generated. Right. When I look at those images now, I don't see me or even a hint of me. I see him with a slightly gender-swapped face. It doesn't look like the real me. They are wild. I have seen these. Yeah. But at the time, it made They're my bizarre. heart yeah. swell with hope because even what I saw in those photos seemed impossibly far away and unattainable. And I did a lot of them. I even got other apps to adjust hair and makeup and even add piercings just to see how I felt. For fun. Yeah. No other reason. Right. So Miriam, time to fess up. Did you also use FaceApp like seemingly 98.5% of trans people online? I did, but only like once or twice because every time I, I gave it a picture of me, it just gave me a picture of my mom. Oh my gosh. That's a... Like disturbingly my mom. And while I do look a lot like my mom now, that was not what I wanted to see. Yeah. Uh, so I did not... I did not get into it very heavily. That that did not happen to me, but if it did, I can tell you it would have immediately scared me up for Oh, yeah. I mean, even <laughs> I've had those moments, though, like where I'm like super tired and I look in the mirror and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I look like my mother. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's a frightening prospect for all of us. <laughs> yeah. I was in denial about how much I looked like my mom until we, we recently threw them a 50-year anniversary party all their friends and a big slideshow through the years and all the pictures of my mom in her 30s and 40s oh okay yeah i see it now i'll accept it i look like my mom <laughs> but that's maybe it's slightly affirming in in a little way right because she's a lady so you look like a lady it's true right yeah. so but... and i mean it's it's sort of ai affirmation but i can unlock her phone with face id Oh, so wow. wow. Really, you look like, <laughs> holy cow. Okay, well, my face app photos weren't aspirational, per se, as much as just trying to see if I could find some hint of the real me, since I didn't know what she looked like. I edit... really do not look like your mom. <laughs> well, thank you. 
Uh, I added a lip piercing to one, and I think that's interesting to note because I don't actually want one. But even that bad AI version of pre-transition me made me feel like I had enough bodily autonomy to wonder what a piercing would be like. And that was a first. See the Trans Tuesday on bodily autonomy, a.k.a. my tattoo, for info on how my body never felt like it was mine. Your tattoo is so nice. Oh, thank you. It's really good. Even the best photo I, I like ever got. Oh, um, oh, you're all so sweet. You're getting raises. Okay. <laughs> Even the best photo I ever got from FaceApp, also included with the text versions of this topic, I still don't think looks like me, but it was maybe the closest the app ever got, and it gave me so many feelings. I can see maybe 10% of Tilly in there, and at the time, that was a first. And it made me so excited and happy. Maybe I could look like that. And then it made me feel crushed and utterly depressed because I didn't look like that and I didn't know if I ever would. And that's the double-edged sword of these things. And after this, FaceApp got an update and got quote-unquote better at its gender swaps, which means it leaned way more into gendered stereotypes. When I got the last one, I basically stopped using it because it felt ludicrous and extra painful if you want to see some weirdo version of me as a super overly made up runway model, check out the text versions of this topic. It is bizarre, like how much it does not look like It looks you. less like, like than any of the wild. previous yeah. ones. Yeah. It's, it's... And, that, and that update also, in addition to being a problematic in other ways, it's really, really racist because it makes you look white. I remember that seeing that. It, a number yeah, of people of color the, the tried it ones. out and it just turned them into white people. Yeah, yeah it's the, the higher good. one always had lighter skin too. It was really bad. There are so many, so many problems. Facial recognition, yeah, technology, like so many, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> but that that overly made up runway model one. I thought there was no way I could ever look like that, and it dug a hole in my heart. And to be clear, I don't want to look like that. But at the time, years away from medical transition and not knowing the outcome, it just absolutely crushed me. And if you're new to Trans Tuesday or have missed the 4,986,278 selfies I've posted, there's a real selfie of what I actually <laughs> look like now, three and a half years into my medical and social transition, also in the text version. I mean, you are now a selfie queen. I am. Thank you. Okay. Well, selfie selfie. Many of, our many of us trans people are because we are happy to finally see ourselves. So give us some, you know. I wasn't insulting you. I was saying a fact. <laughs> I'm not disputing that. Yeah, back. we're making uh -huh. up for lost time. That's right. We got it. Well, there's a backlog. I mean, That's if I right. go back before my transition, there's there's literally three or four pictures of me per year. Yeah. And right. No, that's daily three or four. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why did I save all those face app photos all these years? Especially now that I'm way into transition and I love who I am and how I look. I actually like how I really look way more than how I look in anything FaceApp gave me. So why did I save them? Why save them, Tilly? Why? Now we're getting to the crux of it because I think they knew they were something I was going to have to confront someday. And this is trans grief. And it all took me by surprise because what I wanted to write about was a different AI app that I saw tons of trans people using. It's called Epic and it takes photos you upload and generates younger yearbook photos of you. And I saw so many people using it that I thought something important was going on, and I wanted to write about it. And like all AI, I admit this is ethically dicey. What images was this AI trained on? We don't know. What AI is the app even using? Despite hours of research, I couldn't find out. But then there's also the question of, are yearbook photos art? 
They're mostly a cattle drive. One student in, sit, snap, they leave, and rinse and repeat all day long. Nothing changes from photo to photo except the kid who's sitting there. And companies that do school photos likely own the copyright to yearbook photos. But do they really? Should they? Because neither I nor my parents ever signed a release saying the photographer got the rights to those photos. And never once did my wife or I get a form like that for our son, either. But being in LA, we got a release form asking if it's okay for your kid to be in the background of any movies, TV, etc. that might be shooting at the school that day. By the way, we were just watching a show and it was definitely at his school. Like, or like, oh, oh yeah. That. It was on the football field at it's a school. football field. Yeah. Well, we never signed those forms because, no, you do not get to just shoot footage yeah, of our son no. and do whatever you want with it. And the schools hated that, they by the way. They were very unhappy with us. Yeah. Because it meant they had to be sure he was not in any shot of anyone shooting there. And it was so hard for them. To I remember babies. them literally saying to me, like, but this is why. This is why you have to sign it. I'm like, yeah, I understand the form. And I am saying no. Yeah. They did not like that. Well, it's it's weird in L.A. right? because yeah. everybody, so many people in L.A. want to be in the entertainment industry and would want to be seen in in a, the background of a show. But no, no, thank you. Yes, in middle school, that. someone came up to us in Target and asked if we could put our son in some Disney video. By the way, he looked like he should be in a Disney video <laughs> at that age. Like, oh, my God, he looked like a but little no. model child. But no, we but said we were like, no, go oh. away. <laughs> Did, LA you, is so did weird. you dress him in bold primary colors and no <laughs> no corporate logos? Because that's that's the look, right? I guess it is. But, okay. That was a digression. Yes. <laughs> okay, so these AI yearbook photos, they aren't using any kids' likenesses. All the faces that you get in them are your own based on what you upload. And it could let trans people who transition as adults see something they have no other way to see. So is this one of those quote-unquote good uses of AI? I don't know. It's really murky. But I have to tell you that when I saw others posting these, deep feelings welled up inside of me, and that's when I knew I had to write about it. And it wasn't until I got the yearbook photos of myself that I figured out this was trans grief. Okay, so we're going to talk about the actual yearbook photos next week, but Miriam, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts on the concept were. Like, did you see other people posting them and, and decide to try them yourself? What feelings did it give you? What were your thoughts about it? I think the first one I saw was my friend in Japan and she's not out at all. She has resolved to never come out, which is really sad. Oh. Yeah. It's, it, it was startling and really, really compelling. I, I, I was very happy to see that she got that and I it and I didn't like immediately rush out to do it, but I it, it kind of planted that seed. Yeah. And I saw maybe a couple more after that over the course of a few weeks. And then I just decided to pull the trigger just to just to see, you know, no other reason. So yeah, I I think I was mostly motivated by curiosity. But I did, I did not expect to get what I got. Well, we will we'll talk about those next week. But were you like oh, yeah. excited by the prospect of it? Were you worried that it would spike dysphoria? What like what, I was, what was, going I was very worried about dysphoria. Yeah, I was. I I that's in fact, in fact that's what took me so long. I was really really worried that it would be really. Sorry, words family. It's really hard to talk about these things sometimes. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a hard thing. But I, I 
did worry that I was going to, I, I felt that I, I worried that I was going to feel bad about not having that thing. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's, and, and that's the worst kind of feeling sad about something because it's not something you could fix. Yep. Right. If, like if I triggered that and gave myself those feels, there would be no resolution to it. Yeah. Which is why I stayed away for a few weeks, but I have no self-control. So eventually I came back. All right. So folks listening, I'm going to ask you to stop listening here because you need some vital context for the rest of this discussion. You really need to understand these other Trans Tuesdays first to truly grasp the depth of what I'm talking about. So please start with The Past and Why It Haunts Us, which was episode two of this podcast. And one important detail I want to be sure you notice from The Past and Why It Haunts Us is how I have almost literally no connection to my past, almost no photographs, almost no physical items, just nothing. And then I want you to see The Past 2, The New Past, and how the Paper Girls show on Amazon somehow gave me back a piece of the childhood I missed out on. Unfortunately, I have not revised this one into a podcast episode yet. I will eventually, but until then, you'll have to read the text version via TillysTransTuesdays.com. But there's a vital quote from The New Past that I want to be sure you notice. I have no way to see old photos of myself with the real me in them. It's a horrible, hurtful fact of my existence that will never change. There are no childhood photos of Tilly because she wasn't allowed to exist when she was a child. Thanks to a highly transphobic society and home life, my true self was kept from me without my consent. My truth was forced down, made to stay hidden. I didn't get to be a little girl or a preteen girl or a teen girl or a young adult woman. It was stolen from me. And of course, little Tilly was there when I was little, but she was buried deep inside. She was crushed into submission and silence by a society, a family, that would not tolerate her existence. I missed out on a lifetime of experiences because it wasn't me experiencing them. For more on the severe childhood trauma that almost every trans person experiences in one way or another, please see the essay by my very smart friend Zoe that she wrote on this very topic entitled Growing Up Broken. It's a tough but important read. There's a link in the show notes. Miriam, as someone else who transitioned as an adult, what was the, that lack of photos of the real you from your entire lifetime like for you? So I do have access to photos from my childhood, and it's, it is always very weird looking at them. Yeah. Because at this point, I, I now see the girl and the mask, and it's, it's very... Like every single photo is different, but there's how much of the girl is shining through and how much mask is being applied. In most of them, I can see the how much I am trying to put on that mask, how much I'm yeah. trying to present the way I think I'm supposed to present. And for the longest time, I really, the, the photos that I liked the most were the photos that were candidates that I didn't know I was having my photo taken because those are much more likely to have a lot less mask. Sure. And at the time, at the time, I thought it was just, you know, general photography principles, like, oh, candidates are great. But no, <laughs> there was a there was a special third reason why I really like those. Yeah. Do you have that thing where you look back at them though and like it's you, but it's not you? Like I, uh, the the one that happens the, the most f 
for that with me is in a wedding photo that I have because it's what I see all the time because I have it on on my dresser so I see it uh -huh. every day and it gives me the like marrying Susan was the happiest day of my life but yet it was also miserable because I wasn't me and I was in a tuxedo which made me feel so gross and it so seeing that that photo it makes me happy and it makes me miserable all at the same time and did, does that happen to you too I get those in any photo where I have facial hair, which is not oh, just sure. childhood photos. But yeah, for some reason, that's that's the the turnover. Facial hair me does not look like me. Yeah, maybe that was the the final bit of the mask. But any anything before that, which you know, is college and before, I I see me and I see me putting on an act. Yeah, but that that's probably better than not seeing yourself at all, though. Maybe. Maybe I mean it's, the neither's great, I, I, but right. I'm also I'm also always sad, even when yeah. I'm smiling as hard as I can. Right? There's... You can see it in the eyes. It's always the eyes. Yeah, she yeah. is. She is sad and trapped. Almost every single picture. It's yeah, yeah. It's uncomfortable to look at. It is. Well, I I should briefly talk about dissociation, which is something that happens to a lot of trans people. The pain of dysphoria and existing, trying to exist as someone we're not. Sometimes it means the only way you can get through is by disconnecting from everything around you. And so you're apart, you're alone, you feel buried under the weight of dysphoria and transphobia and self-hate and pain, 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 just so much pain. See the Trans Tuesday on gender dysphoria for more on that. There are large portions of my life that I just can't remember because I had to dissociate so much just to get through and I was so disconnected and miserable that memories just didn't form or were quickly forgotten because they were too painful. I remember a few small moments from my wedding to Susan. I remember a few small moments from the birth of our son. Most of it's gone. Most of the intervening years, hell, most of my life before transition is lost. I have so few memories. Is that something that you've experienced too, Miriam? My memories are really, really patchy. Yeah, I, I used to say, oh, I just have a Swiss cheese memory because I just can't remember things. I said the same yeah, thing. I, Thanks, Scott Bakula and Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah, did. Was, yeah, but uh, since transition, I don't have a Swiss cheese memory. I remember Isn't that amazing? a lot more. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, it's not that I don't have any memory, but yeah, there's there's broad swaths that are just not there. Yeah. It's so weird, too. Yeah, and I can reconstruct them. Like, oh, well, I was here, so I must have been this, doing this, etc. Sure. And for yeah. the longest time, I thought that was I thought that was how memory worked. <laughs> I thought that's what everyone did. Yeah. But that's not not the case. Yeah. Okay. So, to the folks listening, do you understand what this yearbook photo thing represented? It was a chance, however slim, to see what I'd missed, to maybe vicariously live the life I wasn't allowed to live. I ran a survey for a couple of weeks, asking other trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people about this app to get their thoughts. I got 183 responses, and 40% were aware of the app, but only about 7% had tried it. Now, I don't know who saw this survey and who didn't. I kept it anonymous because trans people giving out any kind of info about ourselves can be super dangerous in this horribly transphobic society of ours, and I didn't want anyone to worry. So, like so many things in trans life, this is anecdotal. 
it felt like I've seen way more than 7% of trans people doing these based on how many people I saw posting them. But from the responses I got, some people did not like the photos they got. And it stands to reason that if they didn't like them, they're not going to post them. So what I was seeing in my social media feeds was confirmation bias. Only the people who loved them were posting them, obviously. But it still seemed like way more than 7% of the trans people I follow. But without knowing more about the people who actually filled out my survey, it's impossible to dig deeper into that. Maybe those people didn't see the survey or forgot to fill it out, or maybe it was actually just my perception of the confirmation bias. Largely, people who didn't use the app were very wary of AI, and rightfully so, or they were wary of the app's privacy policies, and I absolutely understand that. The privacy issue didn't bother me personally because... I post hundreds of selfies publicly across all social media. I'm sure every AI that exists has already scraped all of those for some kind of training data. I don't like it, but it feels like that's the reality. I likely wasn't giving it anything it didn't already have. But I want to share some of the comments people sent me through the survey. Some have been truncated for length but are otherwise unedited. A lot of people who hadn't used the app admitted they were still really tempted to. Here are some general thoughts about the concept. I can see the appeal, but you can't change the past. We have to embrace the present and press on into the future as our true selves. Fear of dysphoric sadness, then sadness as people started sharing them, and I kept thinking about how we'd never get that experience. As someone transitioning as an adult, sounds like a neat way to reclaim a youth I feel was taken from me. It's perhaps the least harmful use of shitty, sketchy AI there is, but it still makes me profoundly queasy. I am scared. I don't think about the past that could have been, the past that almost was. I still hate AI art, but this does sound like an amazing cause. I am surprisingly excited. I want to see younger, not depressed girl me. It's probably useful for trans folks who are very stealth. Now that was something I'd never even thought of, but for trans people who have to remain stealth, letting people think they're cis, for safety reasons, these photos could help maintain that. That's a really complicated subject all its own, though. See the Trans Tuesday I'm misgendering and passing for more on that. That is episode 34 of this show. From the people who had used the app, here's a few responses. They were really well done, and I loved them in all caps. I shared them with some of my besties from those school years, and they all said, I totally know that girl without having known that girl. <laughs> my first thought seeing them was a mix of delight, fulfillment, and grieving. Revelatory, possibly life-changing, assisted me in seeing myself as a girl, which in turn helped see myself as a woman in the mirror. That one hits me like a ton of bricks. Oh, that was me. Oh, and Oh, well, now I know who took one of the people who took my survey. I was amazed at how much it looked like me, but as a teenager, was also deeply saddened by what could have been. And I am one who never has had regret about not transitioning earlier than I did at age 53. I didn't feel as sad for the childhood I could have had as I thought I would going in. I just found it interesting more than anything. It made me euphoric on seeing who I could have been and regretful that I was not given the chance to transition at an earlier age. There were like two to three that made me feel things. I recognized myself in them like I was looking at a parallel universe me. 
To write about this phenomenon, I felt I had to get the photos myself, but I have to be completely honest with you. When I saw the ones others had posted and how good they looked, I felt this longing, this pull to see if there might be something there. And when I did it, well, if you are wondering what this social media post of mine was about, it reads, I did some preliminary work for an upcoming Trans Tuesday today and it's caught up with me and I feel wrecked and emotionally compromised, but maybe in a good way. This is so weird, I don't even know how to process it. Stay tuned. Thanks for being here, Miriam. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Friends, listeners, please, please come back next week when we're going to discuss the yearbook photos I got back and what they did to me and why. It was not at all what I expected. Tilly Bridges and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Please see the essay by my very far... Oh my God. Wow.